welcome back to another episode of Girlfriend's Guide Podcast. I am your lovely host, Ellie. And I am your host, Tati J. Once again, we're back again with another episode for you. So last two weeks ago, um, our first episode of the year came out. Now here we are with our second episode. Like we promised, we're being consecutive and we're being consistent. So, you know, keep your fingers crossed that we keep it that way. But yes. I can assure it's going to stay like that for a while because, you know, we're back. Um, you know, like we mentioned last episode, things are steady. Things are good. So we're going to be releasing our episodes like every other Monday and our videos every other Wednesday like we usually do. So I'm excited to be back. Um, I know that when this episode comes out, it's going to be February and we know February is Black History Month. So happy Black History Month, everyone. Yes, it is. Yes, yes. Um, it's it's great to be, it's always great to be Black. It's great always. to be Black. Always, all the time. Um, you know, no matter what we're going through um, in the world, no matter where, mm-hmm. what we're going through in America, um, mm-hmm. you know, I always stand proud to say that I'm proud to be Black. I just want to say, I feel like Black people, and I'm not just saying this because I'm Black, but we truly are the seasoning on this earth. Because mm-hmm. it's just like, what would y'all do without, like, what would y'all Nothing. do without us? Like, Nothing. life would be so boring without Black what? people. It's just kind of like, culture. Ugh. like culture. it's just, mm, you know, mm-hmm. and it's just like, we may go through a lot because we do, we sure do. But it's just like, I just feel like, okay, you know the movie, um, the Disney Halloween movie, Halloween Town? Mm-hmm. And Halloween Town 2, when um, they were, everyone was turning gray and black and white and boring. And like, it was taking yeah. all the fun. And that's literally what the world would be like without black people. Y'all would just be black just looking gray and black and white and like no fun no color no seasoning everything would be bland and then you got us and it was like oh let me add a little dash of this and a little dash of that it wouldn't only be that not only culture but to only think what black people created what Mm, black people built let's be real real. (laughs) nothing would be built because we did everything we did everything so (laughs) America wouldn't be built at all. At all. At all. We would still be on dune buggies and 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 horses. Trying to get here, trying to shake ass in downtown, riding a horse. That's where we would that's where we would be. And it's just like, you know, shout out, shout out to us black people. Shout out to us doing our thing. And I feel like especially now. Um, Black History Month. That's the reason like, I'm looking on my phone because I don't want to mispronounce his name. But we all know what's going on right now currently because we're right now we're recording this towards the end of January and I know this is coming out a little bit later. But the um, I believe his name is pronounced Tyree. So Tyree mm-hmm. Nichols, um, unfortunately beaten to death by five Black cops and he was a Black male. And... um. It's crazy because even on our live, um, and Atali was actually in my DMs and she mentioned that we kind of mentioned this. It's like, when you hear things like that, you're like, please don't let him be black. Please don't let him be black because it's kind of like, we feel that sense of like, bro, already we had to lose one of ours, but for one of ours to take 
multiple of ours to take him out. It's like it hits. It's a. It's an embarrassment. And it's a shame of not to be black, but to be honest, it's an embarrassment that we have that commonality. I don't know these cops. I don't know anything about them. But the fact that that one thing we do have in common, that that already makes me feel like, yo, why did you have to not, be black? And I honestly try to think. Not all kinfolks are not, not all kinfolk. Not yeah, all kinfolk are kinfolk. kinfolk. Yeah, and it's like. I try to think about why that is, why we feel that such attachment just based off color. And I truly, everything goes back to racism. Everything goes back to slavery. I truly believe it's because back then when we were enslaved and we were being separated from our families, the only sense of commonality you had with someone was their skin color and knowing that they're going through that same pain with you because you don't have your family. You're ripped away. So you're going to try to see what, who can I be familiar with? How can I create that safe space? And and that aspect, when you saw another Black person, you know, okay, you're going through what I'm going through. That is what makes us connected. This is why so many of these Black people were able to take the um, Underground Railroad with each other and trust each other with each other's lives just based off of skin color. That connection was so powerful. And I think the same way, I forgot what it's called, where it's just like, they, we have trauma in a sense in our blood from that. I believe that whole because you're black and now I'm ashamed because you're black and you're doing this. I believe that coincides too of like, we have one thing in common that is so strong because we know what it's like to live with that one thing in common. So when you fuck up, I fuck up too. And yeah. it's just so sad that we got to live that way. Yeah, we did mention that on our live. And literally when I saw that it was, there's four of them, four black policemen, five of, I them. Just, five of them, my heart dropped. Yep. And I don't know if I'm the only one, but I feel like we just took, was it 2020? We took three, two years. We went backwards. We went back. Like we have, this is a set. I feel like this is a setback. This is embarrassing. I am embarrassed for what we are fighting for, mm-hmm. for this to happen? It is what crazy. Are we because... What are we fighting? Like, What's the point? We're trying to, def- to defend ourselves. But what we're defending ourselves for is not what we're... Our mm-hmm. words and our actions are not matching. Not Come matching. On. Not Come matching on. at all. This is... It's, it's just... It was embarrassing. And I'm not even hold you. When I saw it and I was going to post it, I was like, I can't even be a hypocrite and not post this because if it was white cops, I would have. And like, and I like, I had that sense of like, damn, I'm really about to use my platform to not degrade murderers, but to degrade black murderers. It's like, Ugh, like, like I have to, I have to, I have to, because what they did was completely disgusting. And they should, there, there should be life, 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 life for all of them. There should be yeah. no type of parole, no type of nothing. And it's like, it had to be y'all, my nigga. Like, now I'm over here. And it's like, and it's so bad because I feel like in a sense, it's like me demonizing and using my voice to say fuck you cops for doing this fuck you black cops for doing this for another man it's like me saying that to them in the same way is like me i feel like my voice is being used to uplift the white side 
because I'm mm. condemning the black cops, Ooh. the black people. And it's Ooh. like, I don't want my position as a black woman for me to say these black cops murdered a black man. Horrible. I know these white people are looking at us like it was your own. And now you have no choice but to keep the same energy. And, and it's yeah. like, Ooh, and I don't like that. We talked about this on our last episode is that devils walk on these arts. Mm-hmm. Devils walk on the, just because it doesn't matter the skin color. It doesn't matter the color of your skin. Devils walk on these earth. What they did to that young man is not, not human. Like it's not no. okay. We'll it's not okay. To treat anybody. So it, it completely breaks my heart. And I haven't, I haven't shared, and I saw a post recently that said that, um, you know, be careful on what you share and like, be careful on what you watch too, because we are linked, like, like trauma wise, we have a, psychologically, there's Mm -hmm. a link trauma. When I watch that video, it's affecting in some way. When I watched all these videos, it takes me like a good two weeks to be okay. Like I will, I would lay down, mm-hmm. go to bed, go to sleep and I would think about it. Everything I do, I think mm-hmm. about it. I didn't even watch it. I can't, I can't watch it. I, it just, it breaks my heart. It hurts. And this, this one hurts. This one hurts more knowing that it it's does. someone that looks like me. me. Because, not because for, me, for mm-hmm. me, it's, I feel safer. I feel mm-hmm. safer with a lot of people that look like me. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I'm sure when this young man saw these black police, these black police officers, he's like, there's a, there's a little ease. If I get stopped by a black police officer, I'm going to feel a little at, more at ease yeah. compared to someone who doesn't look like me. Yeah. For, for them to do that to him, I can only imagine the betrayal and the hurt yeah. that Complete. Yeah. yeah. And like I said, I feel like unfortunately it's more common. It's more normalized. It's easier to digest mm-hmm. when it's a white cop and black victim in the sense of we expect it more. Um, and it's like we can and we can easily just say racist, racism. We can pinpoint why versus this. What? Like, why? Like, literally, like, like, what was the reason for that? Like, you are Black. What was the reason? And it's like, I don't know the full story. I don't know why he got stopped. I don't know none of that. But none of that matters. Why did you think it took five of you, first of all? And why? Like, what is the issue? Because mm-hmm. now I need to know. Because, like I said, the other ones is racism. We know that. And I think that makes it easier to, like I said, digest and understand. Like, it sucks. It sucks mm-hmm. immensely, but it's all right. You're a racist asshole. Bet. Okay. We we understand right. it. We can we can try to fight against that. What are we fighting against with this situation? We can't call I racism. I feel like we, this is a setback. I don't even know. No. I can't even put this into words. Because what right now, mean? half the posts I'm seeing were showing we're showing him more in a positive light, but mm-hmm. I feel like the black community really doesn't know what to say. Everyone is saying, okay, these men deserve jail time, prison yeah. for life. 
but our reaction on if it was um, a white white cops would have been completely different. I feel mm-hmm. like we are lost for words. We can't because, even put the words together on how to even explain why and how yeah. this happened. And it's like there was a protest in Boston. It's like justice for Tyree Nichols. Granted, yes. But when it was George Floyd, when it was Breonna Taylor, Taylor, when it was um, oh, Arbi Ahmad, something close to that. I'm, I completely apologize. But when it was that, it was justice for them and justice for all. Racism. What what are reforms are we gonna do? Like what are we did? Like what is what that is the root of it? How can we change it? And also, it was police reform, defund the police, mm-hmm. different things. And it still can be defund the police and police reform. But like I said, there's another aspect to this that I'm confused about. Like, I, what am I fighting for in this case? Because I don't know the reasoning. There's no racism, I guess, in this case. So what the hell happened? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Just, re- oh, that family. My prayers, my prayers are with that family. Yep. Justice. Justice needs to be served. And again, the black community, we are, we're just tired, tired, confused, angry. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Well, we continue <laughs> as um, life goes on. Life goes on. It does. And it's, it's just, again, you, I, I don't want to turn on the TV to, to see that it's someone looking like me that is causing the harm mm-hmm. to others. That we're mm-hmm. And I don't want to see someone who doesn't look like me that is still causing the harm. Yeah. Because in love. Mm. Yeah. Well, well, well yeah. we dive in. We continue to dive into this episode, y'all. So for this episode, we are going to talk about, <laughs> I know a lot of us are going to be able to connect with this. We're going to be talking about Mental health at living at home. Mental health living at home. Mm-hmm. We gotta breathe in, breathe out. Honestly, yeah. This one, this one's a personal one. Um, this one's a personal one because mm-hmm. for me, I recently moved out. Um, I moved out on my own to a whole different state. Um, mm-hmm. September. Mm-hmm. I lived at home. I well, I went to college. But you can ask Tati. I was home respectfully. Every weekend. weekend. I think in my my life, there was only three to four weekends I didn't go home. Out of the whole four years of college. college. Respectfully, whether it's when I got in my car, I was waking up Saturday morning, driving Mm -hmm. to church, going home, right? It was really for my parents. It made my parents happy. My parents loved to see that I was home. I remember like, coming home every weekend. Every week. It worked out for me because I was in a relationship at the time. So it worked out for me. But I was still like, damn, sis. Like, wow, that's a lot. Well, for me, it was sometimes I'm tired. I'm still driving back and forth to go. And I live 45 minutes away from Regis. Mm-hmm. It was to the point there's times I'm driving home. I don't even know how I got home, you know? <laughs> and it's like, right. It's crazy to me how my parents didn't see how tired I was. And it was just more, I was so involved back um I was involved in church. I was involved in so many things and I was trying to juggle both. And all of it was all for, you know, my parents to be happy. Look at my daughter, look at her. She's doing all this. She's coming home. She's going to church. And when I moved back from college, things got a little more difficult because here I am, 
I did four years of college. I was on my own because although that I lived at home, I really didn't live fully at home because even when I was in college, my second year, my um, first year after being done with freshman year, I became orientation leader. So I lived on campus for the summer. So I never fully moved home, even though I was like coming home every week. I like, I lived on campus. So um, when I moved back from college, things got a little tough in the sense of that I became not the, I was switching from the Ellie or the Dolly that didn't really listen to her parents. And this is like, I'm going out. Before I was just like, hey, mom and dad, um, can I go out, please? No, it was like, mom and dad, I'm going out. Mom and dad, I'm going to Miami for a week. Mom and dad, I'm going to Europe. Mom and dad, I'm going this. And one thing about me, Tati knows this, I'm going to tell you that I'm leaving and going somewhere, whether it's a vacation, three days, four days. Ellie, <laughs> is Ellie, Ellie is a good child. I but am. even I would be like, Ellie, you're doing too much. You're letting what? these people what? know you're leaving two days before you leave. You you got, like, I would be like, Ellie, did you tell your parents? No. I'm like, Ellie, stop. You're going to give them a heart attack. You need to respect them because you're not being a good daughter right now in this moment. But I know a lot of y'all can relate to this because I know a lot of other people who do tell their parents only a few days. And the only reason we do this and I know some of y'all are really going to feel what I'm about to say right now. When I used to tell my parents, when I was younger, it, it's literally an anxiety. So this, this anxiety started really young. Because I remember when my friends would do things, my parents were really strict when I was younger. Um, so when my parents, my friends were going to be doing events or birthday parties, I would like go into my room and I would practice how I'm about to tell my mom I'm about to go out with this friend. Or this friend's parent would have to call my mom to ask, her answer was always going to be no. I already know. And I was, I was always surprised when she said yes. So that anxiety always like started ever since I was younger. So when I got older, going on trips was the worst because I know I had to confront my parents and tell them I'm going away. So it was just like, mom, dad, can I go here? Why? So it's not me. So then I realized that you have to switch it. You have to switch it as much as it's going to hurt them. You got to start acting like an adult. And what do adults do? What do my parents do? They don't ask me to go out, to go somewhere. I know some, if parents are listening to this, they're like, oh, this is disrespectful, la, la, la. But I had to switch things over my parents. I know I'm a good kid. I know that where I'm going is okay. So I'm like, hey, mom and dad, I want to let, I, I just want to let you know that I'm going to be going here for this amount of days. And my mom's problem was that I never ask to go. I'm always telling her. But I told her, I'm like, you need to realize that I'm not that little girl anymore. But to her, she just didn't understand how much I grew when I got back from college. She always said to me, college, making you live on campus was the worst decision I ever made. And the reason why is the girl that left, the good, well, still good, the Christian, SDA, innocent, still was innocent when I left college, that left home and went to college and came out was not the same person. My eyes opened so much when I went to college, just more on the religious side and just like, you know, when you grow up in a very religious home, you only see certain things, right? But then coming out and you're surrounded by so many different things, you make your own decisions, you know, and you allow to figure out who God is for you. It's different. But moving forward, 
So living at home, it was the difficulty of telling my parents where I was going and why, because for them, they had to know. So that wasn't really the main problem for me. It was at the time when I was trying to go places and it was just like, it was difficult. But for me is as I got older, I realized that I outgrown my home environment. It just didn't suit me. And I felt like I had to, for me to really be who I want to be in order for me to really grow, I felt like I had to get my own space. And one thing I want to say to that, it's like, and this is how you know it's maturity on our part. And I think also like probably being in therapy and all this helps us realize Mm -hmm. like you get to a certain age where you're, you can't be mad at their rules because at the, it's their mm-hmm. house. When you're younger, it's your house in the sense of like, I'm a kid, I, my parents take care of me, da, 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 da. But once you get to like 25, 26, 27 area and beyond, it's no longer your house. You're living in your parents' house. Because mm-hmm. at that age, typically, you can make that decision to leave. Like right now, I'm living in my mom's house. This is her house. I'm living in her house. Granted, over mm-hmm. years and times, the whole going out thing it hasn't really been an issue anymore. Every now and then I get the, uh, again, nah, nah, nah. but overall, but at the end of the day, it's like, it's annoying and I can complain but it is her house. And if I don't like it, I can get out. It is no longer my house. I don't like, uh, it's like, like I said, once you get to a certain age, I can't say this is my house anymore. This is, I like, oh, people like, oh, do you live by yourself? And I'm like, no, I live with my mom. Like, I don't, I don't claim it as my house because you are an adult and you have the decision to leave. And currently I am not financially ready to leave. So what do I do? I got to abide and respect her rules. Granted, conversations were had. Once I mm-hmm. left college, conversations were had um, mm-hmm. where you have to be like, so sis. And the same like Ellie, like junior year, that summer going to senior year, I was an orientation leader. I lived on campus. I had to repeat a class in a clinical. So I really like had to, because we only had orientation day once a week, but I yeah. was, had a job at the mall close to my mm-hmm. um, school, was taking, retaking a class in a clinical. So I literally, even if I wanted to go home, everything was based at Regis for me. So then essentially that's like two years fully of not living at home straight. And I came back and I was like, yes, sis. <laughs> yeah, we're going to need to have a little conversation. Cause like Ellie said, who left here and who's coming back? Two different people. And we, you need to get to know this version of this person that's living with you now. So mm-hmm. definitely, yeah, I it was get that changed. Part. It mm-hmm. was changed completely. And as I always said, I'm gonna move out. I'm gonna move out. I'm gonna move out. But I like living at home. We're at home, there's security. At home, there's manger. There's food. The lights are paid. Everything are paid. I don't have to worry about anything. And my money, I get to do what I want with it. My parents want the kind of parents that are like, oh, I need you to pay for this. My money was my money, right? But I did feel at once, once I turned like 27, the things that you're going through in life sometimes, it's hard to do so when you're living at home and when there's so much to do. For example, I know a lot of, um, a lot of girls, a lot of Haitian girls might be able to relate to this. The older you get, the more you become everything to your parents, right? The more you become their assistant they're this for some reason they really think that 
You just know everything. This is why they sent you to school. Whether it's not even anything that you studied for, but you know, it is what it is at this point. You didn't go to school to become a lawyer, but at this point you are a lawyer for them, okay? <laughs> if anything legal comes up, right? So I just felt like you're going through so much transition as an adult. And on top of that, you have your parents' um, responsibilities on top of yours too. And I just didn't know how to juggle it, but I was just taking it, right? And it came to a point where there was so much around. So when you're your parents' um, responsibility, your parents come to you for everything, they like to tell other people, hey, like my daughter can do that. And they offer you, they offer your um, they offer your help to others, right? So then I'm it became in a situation right now. So I had this conversation with my mom this morning. So exactly. So if you don't know how to set up boundaries, your answer is going to be yes. So now on top of your life, on top of work, whether it's school, whether it's podcasting or other side hustles you have, here comes your parents. My parents are always going to be a responsibility. I always say that. I don't care what it is. Whatever you need that I'm capable to do, that you don't know how to do on your own, I will do it for you. But other people, I don't care. That's, I'm going to, if I have the capability of doing it, I will help. But if I don't have the capability of doing it, now that I know how to set up boundaries, the answer is no. You know, what's so funny about that? Um, Cause like I said, I'm in this situation now and, and I feel like, well, obviously Ellie gets it, but I feel like children, Haitian, first generation, Haitian, first generation immigrant, anything who are only children have such a weight mm. that those siblings who are, and I say siblings, I mean active siblings, not siblings, unfortunately, who don't do shit and everything still falls on you. Active siblings. There is a weight that is put on us that no one understands. And I was just having this conversation with my mom and my mom was like, okay, well, your uncle might come over Tuesday. He needs help with this. Can you do it? My uncle has two children of his own. And I literally, I sat down with my, my mom out of all of her siblings who came here to America. My mom is the only one who has one child. My mom is just me. Everyone else has two plus do you have the, the, you have your kids to do it. And then at the end of the day, I am somewhat of the go-to niece because I'm the one, I'm the good, like not, I'm not saying other one's not good, but I'm the one who says yes. I'm the mm-hmm. people pleaser. I'm the one who doesn't set boundaries. I'm the one if like, oh, we need this. Okay, call Tati. And I'm just like, I can't be that for my parents, aunts, and uncles. Because at the end of the day, I have two children of my own. My parents. Because I am an only child. And mm-hmm. one of the saddest things that I'm realizing now, the older I get, being an only child, my dad just mm-hmm. had surgery in September. My mom is having surgery. They're getting old. And it's such a sad thing when I think about when my parents pass away, there is no one on this earth who is going to understand what it's like to lose them specifically as a parent. Everyone loses your parents, yes. Mm-hmm. But no one is going to know what it's like to lose my mother. I don't have mm-hmm. a sibling who shared a mother. I don't have a sibling who shared a father. No one's going to know that specific pain of losing Marie as a mom, Serge as a dad. So that's already a thing. It's like you have to hold that weight and you have to be your parents everything because you have no one else to share it to. So now you're telling me people who have multiple kids who who can share responsibility for their parents 
You're asking me to take you on as that as well? No, because I have her and I have him and I'm doing it by myself. And you have two other people in your life who can divide the work to support you. I have no one to divide that with. And my parents aren't together. So it's like, that's even another thing. Because God forbid it's a situation they both got to come live with me. First of all, I mean, they get along, but what like you know what I mean so it's like I'm not taking on responsibilities for people who have other people to help because who is going to help me no you have one to set, you have to set the boundaries completely because mm-hmm. I got to the point my family my by my family I mean my parents my mom and my grandma they're my everything I will do whatever it takes for for me to make sure that they're okay but then when it became other other people's responsibility, I had to understand that, Ellie, you need to put up boundaries. The answer is going to be no. Because I felt like there got to a point because, okay, so I started going back to forth to Dallas in Boston because I was in a long distance relationship. And that right there was the best thing ever. Because me going out of state was like, I'm letting y'all know right now that was Ellie's villain era. That was Ellie. Ha ha. I'm going for like, you know, a couple of days. Then it turned into ha. I'm going for two weeks. Then it turns to ha. I don't know when I'm coming back, but you, when (laughs) I come back, you'll see me. And I was like, and I was for it. You know me. I told you, sis, if you're going to make this work, it's literally going to have to be like F everyone else's opinions. And what they expect you to do and live your life. I was for it. Proud moments. Thank you, sis. Thank you. And it was needed. And I think that's what going away. And let me tell you, everyone says to me, how are you um, a Haitian young SDA girl going to visit her boyfriend Um, all the time? I was honest. We ain't lying at this big grown age. I was honest to my parents. I was like, listen, I got a man and guess what we're doing a long we're not doing the Haitian long distance relationship where the man only comes to see you honey this is we're going to do 50 50 he coming I'm going and it helped me so much going because I remember it was one trip that made me realize and I think this was the best trip ever I went away and it was for a month and everyone was hitting me up everyone was like um so did you move I didn't move. I didn't even have the idea of moving. And everyone was like, did you move? And I was like, no, I didn't move. It's just, I always bought a one-way ticket because I was like, girl, we're going to come back when we feel like we're okay to come back. Because when I come back, that's when all the responsibilities come back. But when I'm over there, it's just, I just feel free. I feel like it's just, I got to focus on work and I focus on my life only. So I went away in April of 2022 and I went away for a month. And when I got back, I remember working and I just started bawling my eyes. I just started crying, but everything was good. Life was good. I had a great boyfriend. I'm traveling. You know, I have amazing friends. My parents are healthy, but it just felt like I was so unhappy because I had so much going on, right? So much that I couldn't even control. It felt like this weight on my back and I just couldn't like the... It was like this weight in this weight on like in my chest too. And I remember just crying. I called, um, I called my friend Tasha and I was like, Tasha, 
I feel, I don't know how to explain this, but I feel like I'm losing my mind. Like losing my mind in the sense of like, I don't know how to explain how I'm feeling because if I go to you and I'm like, hey, like I have a good job, a great paying job, I have a great boyfriend, what am I to complain about? There was nothing to actually complain about. It was just life was too much. It was so much responsibility, so much that I couldn't handle. And just like Tati says, when you're only child, literally everybody, everybody comes to you. And it's just like, you already have the weight of your parents in your life. So how can you handle everybody else in, on top of handling your parents' responsibility? And then she's like, no, it's okay. Like, you know, just like relax, like everything's going to be okay. And just like expressing that to someone who would understand what I'm going through really helped because I realized, girl, you're not really losing it. I really thought I was losing my mind because I'm like, am I selfish? Am I just complaining just to complain? But I just realized then that I had so much going on. Like to the point, like my friends would invite me to things. I just didn't have the capacity to even go out. And I remember I finally had therapy and my therapist, I was explaining to my therapist how I was feeling. And then she was like, let me ask you something. While you were away, was everything okay back home? And I was like, yeah, everything was okay. And she was like, did anybody call you to do anything? I'm like, no. Did life go on for them? Did people figure out what they had to do? I'm like, yeah. She's like, they don't need you. You just continuously, you know, when people come to you, you continue to say yes, yes, yes. But they're going to be fine without you. If you decide tomorrow that you want to not do what they want you to do, they're going to be okay. And that was then that I realized, like, girl, you cannot just take everyone's problem, everyone's situation, everything that they ask you upon yourself to do. And you have to really just focus on yourself. And that brings me to our um, our meme of the week is like your inner happiness and your mental wellness should be your priority in everything. And that's when I realized right there that I need to focus on my happiness. I need to focus on my happiness for what served me. Mm-hmm. I feel like, and you know, I was talking to my therapist about this. It's like, and I feel like you and me are similar in the ways, especially with being an only child, like, upakagate. Mm-hmm. Like if you have more than one, oh, so if, for those who don't speak um, Creole, it's like you can't mess up. You can't be the the fuck up child because you're the only one. So it's like those who have two or three, one usually is, you know, the messed up one, the one, the rebel, but the other two usually fall in line. You know what I mean? So, but when you don't have that luxury and I always say it's kind of like, especially with Haitian families, I feel like the metaphor of like, you have to be bleeding on the floor for people to take you seriously. Mm-hmm. And it's so sad because I'm not the bleeding on the type of floor for everyone to see, girl. I am the, okay, cry, cry, cry in the shower, panic attacks, panic attacks, panic attacks, pray, and then push through the next day. I don't like to have people see that. And it seems like the people who are vulnerable enough and to shut down and or just be like I'm not doing this and everyone's like oh okay okay well you know how they are like let's just leave them alone so let's go to Ellie or let's go to Tati yeah. because there we don't actively show that we need help too or we don't actively show that yo I am burning out and they take advantage of that and it's just like but why do I have to get to that stage for you to understand that I am only one person and yeah. it's so hard to try to be strong but be vulnerable in your strength at the same time 
Mm. Yep. And once I decided to take that decision, girl, you need to focus on what makes you happy. What made me happy at that point was I needed to get out of Boston. By that, I mean like vacations, whatever it took for me to be out of my home environment. Because when I'm in Boston, that's when everything piles up and I just feel like I'm suffocating. So that meant that I needed to go to Dallas to see my boyfriend and spend weeks or months there. And that helped me. And then it didn't take until I never thought, like I could say wholeheartedly, never thought, never, never, never thought that I was going to move. But I feel like God really guides you. And Tati, Tati helped me. I remember at that point, I made a decision to move out of, move out of my parents' house. And the decision was to find an apartment in Boston. So we're like sending apartments and finding apartments. And um, it's not until I went to Dallas in July to visit. And I was already looking at apartments for other reasons, business reasons. And I found my current apartment now. And it just like, you know, when something just aligns, I felt like God was just like, this is it. Like this was it. I literally felt within myself, didn't even know then about my job or anything. I didn't even think about all that. I was just like, this is it. But then you're battling with the, okay, I'm leaving everybody, like everything. But I just felt like it was it. This was what God was telling me that I had to do. And I'm so happy that I didn't ignore it or block it out. I just listened and allowed him to like guide me. So came back to Boston you know, did the whole process, didn't even ask my job if I could move. I just applied. Didn't know whether or not I was going to get, you know, past the whole, you know, background and get the apartment. Did. And then after that, didn't even tell my parents. And then everything was just guiding and like me until I was here. And then I remember finally, as a Haitian young woman, leaving your household, it is one of the most stressful stressful. And did I say Christian? Christian SDA? Leaving your house as an only child. It is very, very. And that was one of my biggest fear because I didn't know how I was going to tell my parents. Not only tell my parents I'm moving out of the house, but moving to a whole different state. Because I never had told my parents before that I was going to move out. You know? A state, with your boy, the state that your boyfriend lives in. A state where my boyfriend lives in. Well, I remember Tati was just like, I know Tati had the whole fear. I saw it in her eyes, like, girl, how you gonna tell us? Everybody I told, like most of my close friends all knew before I left. And they all were just like, the concern was, their concern was my parent. But one thing about my close friends, and I respect this because even Tati knows, I think about and I worry about what a lot of people think about me. And the reason why I didn't talk about it in the beginning was because I was dealing with the, oh, she's moving where her boyfriend is. But at the same time, I said, my focus was my happiness. What made me happy? Where did I feel like I had the most support at that time? It was there. It was here. And in the back of my mind, in this whole move, it was like, if things go left, if things don't work out, baby, it's the same way I packed my bags and moved here, the same way I'm packing my bags and I'm leaving. And I'm okay with that. I knew it was a decision I had to make for myself that I had to move, but I knew I wasn't moving 
for my relationship. I knew I was moving because I just needed to find somewhere where I knew I was going to get the support and I was going to be okay. You know? So my friends, none of my friends asked me that question. Girl, you, you moving for a minute? Like it was none of that. I think all my friends know me enough to know, yo, is this girl making this decision? You know, she's, she's making it in the right mindset and she's doing it for the right reasons. Only one person asked me that, but we don't care about her. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, honestly, I never thought it was because of him. And it's like, I never, when you told me, I was just like, oh, wait, what? Like, okay. Like, you know, like, and I think we've said this too. Like, it was never a question of what's going to happen to the podcast and da 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 da. It was just like, all right, sis, if you feel like you need to do this, okay. Like, everything else that's meant to work is going to work with, with, with this move. Yeah. And I never, I was just like, Ellie, you tell your parents yet? No. Ellie, did you tell your parents yet? No. Ellie, did you tell your parents yet? No. And I was just like, okay, you know, like, sis, I'm going to need you to do this. And the thing is, it's like, I understand the fear she had because I've just been around Ellie for almost 10 years now. So I know her parents. I know the religion. I know the strictness of both things combining together versus me. If I were to move out, my biggest fear is telling my mom because it's like, oh my God, that's my, like, I'm her best friend. Like, poor, like, oh, sis, you're going to miss me. Not she's going to scold right. me. Like, I'm in the process now of, you guys know the whole situation where, like, you can now be a sponsor for Haitians um, coming mm-hmm. into the country, da, da, da. So I'm probably going to have, by the end of the year, two or three Haitians in this house. And I told my mom this morning, I'm like, yeah, so I'm probably going to move out a little sooner, you know, than mm-hmm. planned because, and she started laughing but she knows I'm serious because I'm just like, there's going to be a lot of people in this house, you know? Yeah. There's going to be a lot of people in this house. And that is great. That is perfect mm-hmm. for them because I'm here to help. I want them to have their, this life. But yeah, sis, mm. we're about to check the deuces sooner than we thought. And like I said, there's no fear in me doing that. But I know for Ellie, it was a different situation. And I was just like, I'm praying for you, sis. Because I know. I know it's, it's different over there. So... Yeah, but you did it because look where you are. I did it. I did it. And I remember the the night that I told my parents I was I was gonna tell them something. My heart was just like I came back upstairs. I came downstairs. I went to the bathroom. Yo, I I just felt like I was dying. I was like, this is the worst decision. I'm like, yo, how do Haitian girls tell their parents they're pregnant? Girl. I was like, what? Because I felt like I was dying but when it finally came out my parents handled it in the way that they could and i got i understand now I, they did it in the way that they could yes they already knew when i already told them i had to talk to them about something they knew it was something like that like they knew my dad was like oh i knew it and i was just like okay so you know what so we good <laughs> um but i think for them it was just like this is i'm their only child i'm their i'm their baby and now here i am telling them i'm leaving they didn't think it was going to be soon. It was only a month. I told them a month before I left. Mind you, it was July. I found out. August, I told them. September, I moved. And my parents did the whole technique of let's not talk about it as if we talk about it, it's real. So then when the day finally, the month that I was moving finally came, I brought it up to them three weeks before. I was just like, you know, I was serious with y'all that I'm moving. And then that's when reality hit for them. They handled the situation not the best. They weren't happy at all. And it was one of the toughest 
decision of my life. And I think this decision was so hard. I remember like literally being so sad. I think I was so sad because this was an experience I wanted to share with them, but I couldn't because they weren't happy. So here I was alone, not really alone because I had my friends and then I had my boyfriend that was helping me deal with the whole situation. But um, it was really tough because I really just saw that this was what was best for me. And I wish that they were um, happy in this situation, but that I had to understand that this is tough for them and that their feelings in the way that they feel is valid. And I had to be okay with that. It is. I remember the day you told, like the day you told them, or the, it was the morning after, because we had to record. We were supposed to go to the studio. And then you called me and then you started crying and you told me what happened. He's like, I don't think I can record today. And I was like, that is no problem. Like, and we just talked about the situation. And I feel like it's just so hard with Haitian parents because it's kind of like, so I was listening to this podcast and they were talking about this thing called relationship credit. And I think it can go into all aspects of relationships in general, where it's like, over an amount of time, you're building your credit with that person. So it's like when they do that one thing wrong, under like look at their line of credit like is this do they usually do stuff like this does this seem like this type of like this person is that mm-hmm. type to you know and it's like you're the one of the most level-headed you're going to plan you're gonna think it through and it's kind of like this one decision in their mind erased 27 years of the good credit you've built with them and it's mm-hmm. like bro those 27 years was good credit i built for you personally this one credit is for me and i'm taking it and it's just so mm-hmm. sad because it's like bro if you don't even understand how much of my life was based off of pleasing you and Child. the one thing i do to please myself you're going to take it away from me mm-hmm. and it's like as much as we can understand and give them grace, it's just still so unfair to us. Yeah. And that's the balance of living in a household where they grew up, different time, different generation, different country. Like it's literally like for any of our listeners who don't who aren't first generation and you don't have to walk that line every day of like this is what my life is here but in my house my life is different and a lot of these things don't combine together how do I it's very hard to navigate it's very very hard to navigate I kind of use that example when it's like and I think most people whether you're first generation anything or not you're at home you're taught if one person hits you you hit them back at school you're taught if someone hits you you don't put your hands on them imagine Mm -hmm. living that those two different things in every single aspect of your life where from literally being born to literally the day your parents die you're always even when you're outside of the house even when you're an adult, you're still always going to have to navigate that. And it's one yeah. of the hardest things that I feel like people don't talk about. And I can, I wish someone would do research. I probably, there probably is that some, we crazy, we're crazy. And I think it's like I said, trying to balance life with two different opposite, complete cultures that has yeah. to take a toll on you mentally, emotionally, and psycho and um. Psychology, not psychology is the right word, but whatever that word is, like it definitely does take a toll on you. And it's just like, hmm, Lord, you really want me to be a stronger soldier, huh? I didn't yeah. sign up for that. I didn't sign up to be like, I love being Haitian though, would never change it for the world. Mm-hmm. It's not for the weak at all. 
It's not for the week. It's not for the week. It's not. But I made that decision um, leaving, knowing that, hey, I might not talk to my parents for a while. And am I okay with that? No. I remember literally the day leaving, packed up my bags, and my dad's really looking at me like, girl, you really doing this? Like, okay. My mom's really looking at me like, you really doing this? They're not talking to me. They're just like looking at me like, remember going to the airport? Literally the whole flight, I was literally in the middle. Was I sitting in the middle? No, I was sitting at the window, like the window. And I remember just literally, I had my mask on. I'm literally bawling my eyes, literally bawling my eyes. Finally get to Dallas and I walk into my apartment. It just didn't feel real. Like, girl, like you really, I only had one luggage with me, uh, one luggage because I was coming back to Boston for my friend's um, wedding. Literally had one luggage, nothing in my apartment. I'm literally starting over completely by faith. Whether or not if I could have um, buy like furniture, the only thing I bought while I was in Boston was my bed on a budget, um, which arrived, everything was going well which arrived the day I got to Dallas. It was supposed to arrive like a week later, but my mattress bed arrived um, like literally the day I got to Dallas. And the funny thing is that one thing about me, I can struggle, but I couldn't see myself sleeping on the floor. So I'm like, God, you know me, you know me. And you know, I couldn't struggle like that. So everything was going well, got here, things are going well. And I was just like, I really thank God because I just felt like he guided me through the whole thing. It was a sad situation. And I felt hurt in the situation. It was hard for me to make that decision. And I think I kept asking myself, why do I feel so sad? Why am I un unhappy about this um, situation and the decision? But I realized that not every decision that you make, even though it's a right decision, will make you feel happy sometimes. Even though you're, I was happy that I moved, but you, I didn't feel completely happy. I just still felt sad. Only felt sad because of back home. Like I didn't my parents weren't so happy about me moving. But I realized that a lot of times it's the, um, you're not feeling comfortable and it's things that bring you out of your comfort zone. So I was out of my comfort zone. I'm a routine girl. I go to the same gas station. I go to the same stores. I do not change things up. I do the same thing. So this was different for me. I just never been away from my parents. I, my parents are literally my everything. I depend on them for a lot of things, but here I am finally getting my independence. And I'm just happy that God brought me here and guided me through the whole process. I know there's a lot of young Haitian girls that are living at home and things are tough. For me, it, I knew the environment was tough for me. And like Tati said, her mom, like you have all your family that's coming from Haiti. And in a lot of situations, it's gonna be like that for a lot of people. And I think you have to be real with yourself. That was a situation for me. I had a lot of people living at my house. I grew up as an only child. I can't do too much. I can't have a lot around me. That's me. That's personally me. It's got to be my mom. It got to be my dad. My grandparents always had my grandparents around. Love my grandparents to death. And when it was starting to be other people in my environment, it was too much for me. And then when people start coming into your environment, you also have to know that you have to also set the boundaries of when you let them in, because they're going to see you as a resource. To be honest, you're a resource to them. And do you want to be that resource? You have to determine whether or not you want to be that resource. And I know a lot of young 
I know people that have reached out to me because they know my story. They're like, yeah, I'm going through that right now. I know a lot of young Haitians are going through that because let's be real. We know that there's so many people coming back from coming from home to here. And to be honest, when people come from uh, other countries, they see you as a resource. You're literally everything to them because they don't know anything here. They don't know anything here. So it's just like, you have to be real with yourself on what can you handle? What is your capability to handle any of this? Because let's be real, life is getting serious. We are adults. Maybe mm-hmm. when I was a child, I could handle all this because there was school. But what, yeah, what did I have to do? Adult, it's stressful. You have life, you have responsibilities, and now you've got to take other people's responsibilities. I couldn't do it. And for me, that was my decision. My decision was to go somewhere where I can focus on my happiness, where I can focus on me, pour my energy into the podcast, because I'm going to be real with you. There were times, a lot of times we didn't record, I was just tired. There was like all the things that you're dealing with. Then you got to put in the energy to record for the podcast. I mentally couldn't do it, but I had to realize what is it that I have to do to just be able to focus on my happiness and focus on what I want to accomplish mm-hmm. and have my whole mental wellness, my whole well-being be okay for me to do those and accomplish those. I just feel like, ooh, now you got me stressed with these Haitians coming to my house. Because <laughs> I, like you said, it's a, I, like, who's, they're in my house. Who's going to sign them up for English classes? My mom doesn't know how to do that. Like, it's going to be me. Like I said, we got, me and my mom going to have to have that conversation. Like, I get it. It's in my house and I get it. Like, but it's like my mom, my aunt and my uncle bringing all these people together. And I'm just like, there are other, quote, even though I'm not a child, but children, my cousins in this family that also need to take on the responsibility as a family to help them out because I also believe though sometimes it's kind of like in a situation like that I can't be selfish to the extent where I would want to because bro they're coming from a nothing you know and I can see that and I appreciate that and I want to help them it's like I'm not gonna have you just come here and then me be selfish and not help out and it's just like bro that could have easily been you so this is when it's like I feel like our whole family needs to come together and understand that like we finally got them here so we all need to do our efforts to help them and I feel like some of my other cousins they have their own families too like my older cousins have their own kids so it's like not necessarily can do too much but they also I feel like are stronger in setting up their boundaries with the adults in the family and because of that they don't necessarily task them as much so they come to the younger cousins like you said the ones who like what do they have to worry about they're like they don't have kids so it's like what's mental health anyways like you know what i mean and it's like my other two younger cousins they're not the go-tos so who's left it's me and it's like i'm gonna have to talk to my mom about that like i want to help i want to do this but it's gonna have to be a whole family effort and i can't be the only english speaking english reading you know, higher education one in this whole scenario, helping everyone out. Cause there's only so much my mom can do. There's only so much my aunt can do. There's only so much my uncle can do, you know, yeah. literacy wise and all of that. But I can't be the only one. And if it's going to be that, then I'm going to look like a selfish bitch because I'm not putting all of that on me. So we're going to have to divide these chores up amongst the five cousins 
to see how we all can help because it's not it's not gonna work. It's not gonna work for me. For it's me not to selfish. Be the only one. It's not selfish. I remember my therapist telling me, it's not selfish. You just have to put yourself first. If you have the capability of doing it and you decide not to, okay, maybe that's yeah considered selfish. But if you really feel like you cannot handle any more on your plate, that's not selfish. And um, I think when I left, my parents realized how much I was handling because things started. Well, by the way, guys, my me and my parents are like, we're cool. Everything. That's the thing I'm going to tell you. We got to give our parents credit because my parents were stressed, so stressed. But here we are on the phone chilling. Like things are good. They, they ask me all the time, like, oh, how's Dallas? Like this and this, like we're cool. So here I was worried about them. If I had never made the decision because of them, joke on me because look at them. We're good. I think when I left, my parents realized I had so much on my plate because it's just like when people try to reach out to me, my mom always tells them, no, she got, she, she'd be telling people like, oh no, she's really busy. She's busy. She can't do that. Like she's already putting up the boundaries for me because I think she realized so much that I was handling back home. Because to be honest, a lot of things fell back on her when I left. And I think my mom and I are similar. And I tell her all the time, put yourself first. If you're not able to do it, don't do it. And she's learning how to do it. But I think it's, I think it's great because as as I guess first generation kids here in America being raised here, we got to teach our parents a lot of things. My mom, she doesn't know how to put her happiness first. And that's me teaching her how to put her, your, um, her happiness first. For me, for my mom, this move right here was like, I always say this. I think my mom looks at me as I'm like, wow, I kind of wish I was like her. I, I do see her. I do see her when she does look at me like that. Cause there's they jealous. Yeah, they're jealous. They're jealous. Because there's some decisions I make. I've been seeing my mom look at me like, oh, wow, she, she got some balls. She got some balls. And I'm like, girl, you can do this too. You could have been do this. Because my mom is the total please. I like, I see myself in my mom. She's the complete pleaser. Perf- Everybody I meet that, know, that knew my mom when she was younger literally explains her like how I could have been if I didn't decide to be like, girl, you need to do what makes you happy instead of trying to please everybody else. They're going to be fine. And I just, now at this grown age, I really be teaching my mom, like, no, you're not doing that. No, you'll be okay. If you don't do that, you put yourself first. You don't got to do that. Everybody's going to be okay. And they're learning. They definitely, if they don't have a choice, they don't have a choice. Like y'all came from a whole different country Learned a whole new, uh, I said English, a whole new language. And English is one of the hardest languages to learn. Like, y'all did all this. And y'all telling me you need me, little old me. When you did this whole Christopher Columbus move and finding a new land and da-da-da-da. Like, sis, you're stronger than me. Because you think I... (laughs) Me? Moving to a new country, learning a new language in my late 20s, early 30s, starting with nothing, living with people. Mm-hmm. <sighs> you can do this. You, I tell my mom all the time, like, honey, you came to this country illegally. And I can say that because she's legal now. But mm-hmm. you came to this country illegally. My mom came here um, on a plane. They literally go, here's this little girl. 
she, pretending she's your daughter. Once you get to Florida, he is like, we're going to drop her off to, and then boom, get on another plane, come to Boston. She did all of that. Wow. Like, I'm like, mommy, stop. <laughs> like, you can do these things for yourself. You can. They're not. They're not. But here's a Haitian mentality. And I told myself, I'm not having this with my children. The Haitian saying, and I'm sorry to my non Creole speakers, I'm going to try to translate it. Bouik fait petite bouik. Or something. It's like, so basically the saying is like the is boy donkey? Donkey, like donkeys have kids for the 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 kids can like carry the load. Basically yeah. like that's what it is. And that's literally the Haitian mentality. The Haitian mentality is like, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to go to Oh, I'm sorry, guys. My whole Haitian. <laughs> I have this child. I brought her to America. I bring her to America. I gave her good education. The least I deserve is for you to, to like literally tire yourself out so I can have a good life. So I'm set. Mm-hmm. And yo, we need to stop having kids with the expectation of them owing you back because they did not ask to be here. And my mom always says this: having a kid is an investment. You don't know what your return is gonna be. You don't know what your return is gonna be. You do it and you hope and you pray for the best, but there's no guarantee on how that child is going to turn out. And I feel like that's the best way you can go into having a kid. I'm hoping and praying for the best, but God knows who really knows how it's going to turn out. But at the same time, devil's advocate, I'll be damned if I have a kid and I do my ultimate best to set you up and put you in a position to do good. And I like, you know, when you get older, you need help. And then you just, you don't call me, you don't check on me, you don't do anything. Like, the first sign of illness straight to a nursing home, you don't even, like, oh, no, 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 no. And I'm sorry, I think at at least parents deserve that. Parents deserve that respect of, I'm like, I'm your parent. And when you can, and if you can, help. Yes, I do think that's that should be responsibility of the children. And unfortunately, not all children are like that. Not all children see it that way. But like I said, I'm not having children for them to give me back, but I'm also having children to have a family. I'm having children to create a community where we can all depend on each other, not just a one-way street, but a two-way street, where if we need each other, we know that within this these four walls, within this community, we have that support. And I don't like how some children are just kind of like, well, yeah, I didn't ask to be here. Well, like when you get, when your parents get old and they need help going to the grocery store, you're not going to do that for them. Like you're not going to try to help them. Like little things like that. It's like, you're not doing that. That's the thing. I think it all depends on your relationship with your parents because even right now, as only child, I'm already thinking now, I'm not putting my parents in a nursing home. I'm already thinking, hey, girl, once you start making some extra funds, we're putting aside a fund for your parents. I'm putting aside a fund for my parents. Like, I'm literally starting this towards the end of this year because I'm all that they have. 
I already know, I see my mom now taking care of my grandma. It's too much for her. I don't want to tire myself out like that. I know that I need the support. What support do I have? I don't have a, I don't have a, um, I don't have siblings. Who am I going to rely on? Hey, I'm, I'm tired today. Hey, can you go check on mom? Who's going to do that? It's going to be me. I know I'm going to need the help. What is help? Help means money. I need to hire somebody. And I'm like, I'm already thinking of that. But then you have some kids who don't care. They don't care if they don't see their parents or not. And I'm just like, yo, I tell my mom this all the time. You better shock you every day that you pray. You better thank God that he gave you a child like me. Because when I sit back, I always say this. Would I want a child like me? Yes, 100%. If God gives me a child like me, I'm happy. I'm totally, I will be, I will thank God if he gave a child, if he gave me a child like me. And I tell my mom all the time, I'm like, all this complaining, because Asian parents love complaining. They find anything, anything. My theory is that they find one of their little friends at work complaining about their child and they feel like they got something to complain about you too. I tell my mom all the time, don't complain. Don't complain, honey. I'm the deal. I tell my I'm mom, that I always, I was like this. You gambled on your first try and you hit the lotto, baby. You hit the lotto because of me, only child, and this is how you, this is what you luck with. Like, and when she be complaining about stupid shit, like, oh, I'm so tired basically what i said oh outside's not good there's mass shootings blah 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 and i'm like sis 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 you have one child um i went to college i um nurse i went back back to grad school paid tuition all on my own all on my own so granted you gave me a thousand dollars that one time shout out to you sis but what's a thousand dollars in the grand scheme of what I really paid but shout out to you and you complaining about me going out you complaining about me going out but you only got one child who's a 27 year old pediatric nurse practitioner but you're complaining about me going out it seems like you got your priorities a little screwed up there it seems like some screws are loose because what are you complaining about ma'am what are you complaining about Mm. It don't make mm. no sense. Their life must Ooh. be good. Their life must be good. Because I told my mom, like, there are mothers out here crying every day. My mom used to cry for the most simplest things I do. I come home late. Oh, why? 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 And I'm like, girl, I'm one thing about me, I'm really tough with my mom. But if the reason why is one thing about Haitian moms, they're dramatic. And you can't, you can't feed in. You can't feed in to their to their their drama so i'm like mom stop crying stop crying okay you have no reason to cry okay we're okay we're good <laughs> i be telling my mom that all the time i be like sis what's i live i literally just look at her and i'm just like are you okay <laughs> because and it's like i know that probably makes her feel bad I'm like mommy are you crazy like like honestly because what are you what like what's going on like i want to know in your mind when i leave the door and granted i am not a mother so i know once i have a kid 
I can imagine already with my anxiety, with no kids, that anxiety of having your kid walk out the door and realistically not knowing if they will ever come back because just life is just that crazy. I understand that. I get that. But at the same time, I think you're doing a little too much there. I think mm-hmm. you're, you're, you know, I think and I always say in another life, make sure you have to. Make sure you have to, because if you lose one, you have a spare, because this right here is not healthy for you. You're making yourself go crazy, and it is not okay to do that, honey, because you are too young to me to have to put you in a nursing home. You're, you're wheeling yourself in the nursing home at this point. Stop it. Calm down. Breathe and relax. I am here, and I am alive. Absolutely. You got to love them. You got to love them. They're amazing. I'm thankful for my parents. I wouldn't be who I am today without them. But in conclusion, guys, we're wrapping up this episode is that you really got to focus on your inner happiness, focus on your well-being, and really focus. For me, I knew my environment played a major role in my next development um, and what I wanted to accomplish, accomplish in life. And just like what I've accomplished so far in the recent months, I couldn't see myself accomplishing it back in Boston anytime soon. So it's just like, you got to do what is best for you. And for me, I know that your environment plays an important role. I know that um, I seen this video with um, um, Jenny, I forgot her name, Yeezy's, um, Young Yeezy's um, girl from the view Jeannie Mai I always be forgetting her name she's sweet I like her <laughs> she was saying how like when you see a, um, a flower that is not blossoming in an environment do you blame the flower or do you blame the environment you blame the environment you check the environment it's the same thing for us it's like we gotta I know a lot of people complain about oh I'm not okay living at home and this and that, but it's like, what are you going to do? I know everyone's um, situation is different and, you know, financially life is tough, but you got to figure out what works best for you because I know for sure and for certain your environment is so important. It's so important. And I knew that would affect me so much if I was still back into my same environment Mm -hmm. one thing i want to say about that because i that is so true and i feel like unfortunately it's so easy to blame our parents Mm -hmm. and so easy to blame our environment but we have to take an accountability because i know someone who um currently wants to move out wants to do this wants to do that oh never had a stable home life in terms of like always lived at home but not a good environment for them mentally emotionally all of that to actually grow into the adult that they need to be so now it's just i gotta move out okay do you have a plan do you have a like what saved like no 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 but has been in the position of making good money and to save for the past two two and a half years so you cannot now my environment is this, my environment is that. When you have the ability to pluck yourself out of it and you didn't, to set yourself to get out of it, but you didn't. Because <laughs> complaining and staying stagnant is not only the environment now, it's it's you. It's you. So it's like, it's like, oh, Lord Jesus. And I, like Ellie said, finances and all of that, you know, very hard. 
especially when you're first getting into your career and like and to be honest when you're first getting money you want to spend you want to have fun you want to travel that is fine and i do believe everyone should have the luxury and that should be a right but unfortunately that's a privilege and not everyone has that privilege but knowing that you don't you gotta and maybe it's different because me and ellie are very like if we want it and we really we're gonna get it we're gonna get it that's sacrificing going out that's sacrificing this that's sacrificing me bringing my laptop everywhere just to get this degree but still have a good time we're gonna do it so it's mm-hmm. like sometimes y'all really good like y'all are Haitian parents are Haitian parents are Haitian parents but like we said at this point we are living with them in their house we cannot mm-hmm. expect them to change this is their house that we are living in only thing that can change is us getting out and if you really want to yeah. get out you get out so you gotta make it work and don't wait until it comes to that um rock bottom situation like ellie a situation happened that led to it but she was had had it ready to go it just probably didn't happen in the moment that she thought and in the way that she did but she was ready you gotta just set but they say stay ready for you don't ever have to be get ready Mm -hmm. stay ready that way you can get out when you really need to but don't wait and then complain and then now you're stuck and you don't have a way to get out. And before we wrap up, one last thing. If you're living at home, how do we have bills to pay? If you're living at home, $10 saved a week is still something to help you out, to get out, okay? And I was privileged. I've always been privileged growing up. I say that 100%. My household always felt safe home is was my parents created a great home for me my parents gave me whatever i needed that i needed five dollars my parents never asked me what it was for here so once i got older i once i got a job love spending one thing i'm gonna spend it on is eating out and traveling but i knew that i had to save and for me saving started with just paying grad school out of pocket but i knew eventually i needed to save so i was saving so much that I didn't even know what I was saving for, really. I just knew I had to save, which allowed me, I yes, I moved not having anything, but when I looked at my savings, like, God forbid, there's, there's a good chunk sitting there where I don't have to depend on my parents. And the only reason why my parents weren't so concerned about me, to be honest, they were just concerned about, oh, she's moving to where her boyfriend lives, kind of. They weren't concerned financially about me. It's because my parents know. My parents know, my parents know that I'll, I'm gonna be okay. Like they know that this girl is a smart person financially, and that she's gonna be okay. And that was it. I was okay because I was smart while living with my parents since college, and I saved. So literally saving five dollars. I literally tell people this: if you're trying to move out next year, trust me, by saving ten dollars a week, it could, it could benefit you so much. Yeah. So that's our episode for today, guys. Thank you guys for tuning in. This is just our personal story, you know, and I hope that whoever's listening to this, if you're going through something similar, um, know that you're going to get out of it. And one thing I want you to focus on is focus on your inner inner well-being. Just focus on your happiness. Once you really focus on your happiness, I promise you everything will align. Because when you're just focused on yourself, you'll find what makes you happy and what you'll have to do. So thank you guys for tuning in. But actually, before we wrap up, I do want to share with you guys, I know we've been slacking on this, but we want to share our Melon Monday, our Melon Monday for um, 
this episode is Enopsych. I know that we mentioned them before, but I really love um, Enopsych. It is a website that is provided for people that look like me, people that look like Tati, and by that I mean Black people. This is the perfect place to go to find your Black therapist. I don't know what I would have done. I met with my therapist only once a month, but it helped me so much. And I know this is where Tati found her therapist too. So if you need someone to talk to, this is a website, Enopsych, where you can go and you can find your therapist, a therapist that looks like you, a therapist that can connect with you and can guide you through what you are going in life. Therapy is needed, you guys. It is. Yes, we'll it get is. in on that, honestly. Yes. Yeah, so we'll catch you guys on the next episode. Thank you guys for tuning in. Hope you guys have a lovely day, and we'll talk to you guys soon. Bye. Bye. Thank <laughs> you.